welcome to Article 23, the podcast all about making work work. Whether you're a leader, someone working in the trenches to build a great culture in your organization, an entrepreneur or a career changer, in this podcast, we explore the questions that are front of mind when it comes to how do you make work great for people and great for business. My name is Jess Pollard. I'm the business director here at MOI, Making Work Absolutely Human. And today, we're excited to be welcome into the studio one of the co-founders of Kinex Health, Phil Wolf. Thanks so much for coming in. Thanks so much for having me. Really excited about this. Now, rumor has it, we have similar-ish birthdays. We do, yes. I'm the 30th of April. I won't mention what year. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm the 2nd of May. So we're actually doing a celebratory birthday podcast today, aren't we? Yeah. Happy birthday to us. (laughs) So today, we're going to be talking all about workplace wellness employee health and well-being programs and you are the expert so before we go into sort of a little bit of your background the background to connects i thought i would just get started with one of those kind of juicy questions Mm -hmm. what is one of the sort of gems or like sort of real insights that you think about when it comes to employee health and well-being programs that you think is critical to success but that people often forget to think about there's there's so many of them and I'm sure that throughout this whole podcast I'm going to be saying this is the most important thing and that's the most important <laughs> thing you absolutely need this but there are a lot of elements that you need but the first one the absolute first one is commitment you have to be committed to it in order for it to work it can't just be lip service we can't just slap something together and say here you go here's a health program you have to be committed to it and it has to come from the top down so we see it all the time. People throw resources at something without the commitment uh, and they're paying lip service and that's a waste of money. Mm-mm. So we, we often say that commitment without commitment is far better than resources. Resources without commitment is a waste of money. Commitment without resources, you can still get meaningful change. But commitment with resources is the way you get sustainable, long-term, meaningful change. So that's the first thing you need. From the top down, mm. have to be committed to it. It can't just be lip service. Mm-hmm. So we're committed to not just lip service today on this podcast. We're committed yeah. to going in deep into the topic. Good. So before we sort of go out to the edges of what's working, what's future facing in this space, let's actually do a bit of basics so people know who, who, who you are, where you come from. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself, your background and about, I guess, starting Connects and perhaps some other co-founders of the business and yeah, what, what's a part of your DNA? Well, I'm, I'm an exercise physiologist. Um, I've been doing this for a bit over 10 years. I started out uh, fresh out of uni in elite conditioning and injury rehab. Um, I worked in clinics mostly, I uh, worked for a few different companies and I kind of fell into, uh, into workplace health. I was just trying it out basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is 10 years ago when workplace wellness programs were certainly not what they are today. They were more sort of data driven. It was, I hate to say it, more about collecting data on employees to see if they were healthy rather than actually working to change their health. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I was fascinated by it. I'd stumbled across this industry where you could get to people before they actually got sick. So working Mm -hmm. in a clinic, people come to me when they have diabetes, when they have injuries, when they're actually sick or broken, and then you have to fix them. But 
all of a sudden here was this captive audience that we could go in and get to them before that point before they actually broke down, before things became a real issue. So that was, that was fascinating to me. So I, I viewed it as the front lines of healthcare, of preventative, meaningful healthcare, because we're not just, it's not sickness care like we, we have at the moment, it's actual healthcare, preventative. So that's what, that's what got me into the industry. Uh, and I absolutely love it. Started out working for some of the larger companies, then moved to a smaller firm, and that took me all around Australia. Uh, up to far north Queensland, to Tasmania for six months. I've, I've been around a few places, um, which was fantastic. I got to see a lot of the country and a lot of different issues in different, in different places. Um, most recently in Papua New Guinea, which mm. was enormous. There was 6,000 people on a gold mine on an island over there, which was fascinating just to see the different, uh, the different health issues that come up uh, across cultures and across industries is fascinating to me. Um, Then about three years ago, I decided to come home and start my own company and Mm. that's where Connects Health was born. Mm. So it's not always a logical step to start your own company. Sometimes it is. So (laughs) what what made you want to start your own? Uh, Was there a serendipity of finding certain people or was it just the right time? I think, yeah, a, a combination of the two. It was definitely the right time for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was at a point in my career where I had, I felt like I had so much to give and I wanted to take the insights that I'd collected over 10 years across so many dif- different industries and put them into something that I thought could help the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, at that same time, um, yeah, it was a bit serendipitous. A friend of mine, Dave Williams, who started the company with me, uh, he's deep into the, in the health industry. Um, he's one of the best trainers, most sought after trainers in Australia. Um, anything to do with movement, he's the guru. Uh, mm. We've been friends for a lot of years and yeah, he was looking for a new project. So we got together, started Connects and it was the first time that I was able to do things the way that I really wanted to do them. Mm. I think that touches on, yeah, what's the founding glue, the DNA that you both agree on that's sort of at the heart of how you see these programs functioning at their best it's what we always go back to is these have the real potential to help Mm -hmm. they have so much potential they can basically change the world uh one one person at a time one company at a time Mm -hmm. because what we see is you'd know yourself the flow-on effect of good choices good positive choices so if we can change the health of one person in a company that extends to their immediate colleagues. And not only that, it extends to their family. Yeah, their community. Exactly right. Mm. So by changing our workforce, we can change the community, we can change the Mm. country, we can change the world. So that's what we keep coming back to, our potential for good, our potential for change, positive change. Mm. And that's that's what drives us. And so you talked a little bit about, you know, when it just started, it was sort of more a sense check, census check of like, where's health at? And you're mm. saying it's now advanced. What do you think employ- these programs at their best? What are they looking like now? At their best? So what it does is create a culture of health. That's really the overarching principle that guides all of our choices. What is going to create a culture of health? There's, that's completely different in every single organisation because organisations, they're, they're like living organisms. Every single one is different. They all have their quirks. They all have their issues. They all have their, 
uh, they're positive and negative points. So how do we actually instill that in the culture? Mm. If you can do that, if you can get in and create that, an atmosphere, an environment where people are inherently making the right choices, that's what we're going for, creating a culture of health. So it's no longer just, okay, let's chuck on some morning yoga or let's get a couple of fruit boxes for the office. I mean, some companies are still doing it that way, but creating that culture of health is what we're really trying to achieve. Yeah, and it uh, really speaks to me of a lot of the Blue Zones work, which is sort of, I think, tackling head on the idea of individual will versus systems that empower mm-hmm. people to make great decisions. Yep. So say one of the Blue Zones things, they talk about walkable streets, they talk about communities that naturally engage with one another more easily, and those are some of these big things that help people to live for longer. Yep. And I think from the conversations we've had, which is why we're totally biased to have you on the podcast, <laughs> as we both agree and that front, and I'm talking on behalf of moi, is that systemic changes. How do you, and from a preventative focus, how do you... Um, create systems that allow people to thrive and make it easier and more fun yeah i think that's an interesting like we are kind of all about fun we do a lot of serious work but how do you also make it great to turn up and to stay healthy and to want to stay healthy together one of the parts i you know that we've kind of resonated with because we're data geeks and moi we have a bit of a different sort of set of data tools that we use Mm -hmm. but you guys have an initial visualization survey yes Uh, and i was going to sort of ask you to share a little bit about that because I think it also provides context for different aspects of the employee kind of wellness sphere and provides a good framing for, say, some of the things we might talk about. Yeah, absolutely. So that's that's always where we start. Um, the initial visualisation, the IV, we call it. Um, so what we do is we take the objectives uh, of management, the resources yeah. available, and then we'll create a survey um, to go in and ask the employees what's actually going on. So we're not guessing at what we're trying to accomplish. We actually find out and we know. So we get things like their subjective health measures, their health behaviours, um, any illnesses that they currently have, uh, barriers to participation, communication, um, how they network within the organisation. It's a mountain of absolutely brilliant anonymous data. It has to be anonymous. People are never going to tell you. <laughs> You're getting a lot of pushback? Oh, we, we have tried doing um, yeah, doing surveys where people have to put their name to it and you just do not get the data. If you ask someone what their effective work hours are each day, they will never tell you if they have to put their name to it because it's, it's less than three hours a day for most people across all industries. Is that something you noticed? Let's just repeat that statistic yes. for a second. On average, less than three hours a day of effective work hours. That's how much people are actually working. I'm a big advocate for cutting the work day shorter and cutting mm. the work week shorter um, mm. because we're going to get a lot more done in a shorter space of time. And are you noticing that in organisations where there's larger amounts of hours worked that that effective hours are not moving, those effective hours are not changing? That's exactly right. Yeah, absolutely. So what we notice is that when hours worked come down, effective work hours actually increase. Yeah, it's, it's like I'm here, I'm here to turn up, I'm here to give 150%. That's exactly right, exactly right. Um, yeah, a little bit beside the point, but interesting nonetheless. <laughs> um, so you're never ever going to get people telling you the truth about those things. If Unless it's anonymous. It. So it has to be anonymous. Mm-hmm. Then we take that data 
and that's where that's where our true value comes in uh, deciphering and interpreting that data in a meaningful way and then applying it applying the changes that need to happen so what are your people telling you are the issues what are their health behaviors do you have uh, a problem with obesity do you have a problem with diabetes is it high stress is it Mm. Um, lack of time what are the issues then we can go in and start making that systemic change to make Mm. it inherently easier for people to be healthy within the company what do you feel like are some of the trends you're seeing post-covid in particular that are just across the board where you're going this is just something as a society and as a way that we all work is just happening over and over again it's at the moment i mean obviously mental health is huge Mm. Um, stress and anxiety have spiked and what we're seeing now is we're getting to that sort of that stage where a form of PTSD uh, is showing itself um, which is causing obviously a lot of issues Uh, there's going to be a lot of data and studies to come out of this to show exactly how that's happening Uh, but mental health is really at the fore at the Mm -hmm. moment Um, in addition to that personal connection so we've lost we've lost those sort of micro interactions Mm -hmm. that we used to have all the time so you pass someone in a hallway and say oh by the way that thing that you asked me about the other day here's an update with it Mm -hmm. we don't get that anymore all the working through things together like say you have to have a tough conversation or you have to have maybe not even a tough conversation but you're collaborating on something if you're just doing it within that kind of zoom box uh, say something goes wrong it's harder to just get back to a great place in that relationship if you don't have those incidental moments together where you can laugh about something else or ask about the kids or uh, yeah you sort of removing because everything's so set in those time frames that's exactly right it has to be a scheduled conversation so we Mm. we have to block out 45 minutes for this zoom call rather than just passing each other at the water cooler and Mm. doing the same thing or getting the same value in five or ten seconds from the mental health perspective, are there any things that you're seeing are actually changing the dial or really innovative in terms of wellness programs? Um, first of all, it has to... So there's, there's a hierarchy of, um, of systemic change within organisations um, and eliminating processes that aren't working or that, <laughs> that are yeah, harmful to people. That's the hardest and the most beneficial. So start with what is not working. Yeah, what isn't working. Don't just add more. Exactly right. <laughs> That's exactly it. First of all, look to what you can reduce, not to just what you can add. Because mm-hmm. it's, it's a mistake that people often make. They're like, okay, what can we add to our employees or to our systems that's going to make them better? When often it's what can we take away? So mm-hmm. what isn't working? What are people complaining about? What are people having a hard time with? What's taking a lot of time and energy and not giving you the outcomes that you want and what's interesting is it's multiple people's time and attention also in the things that aren't working so yep. you're also getting the time cost energy save from stream like stripping those things out and putting yep. them into the things that matter that's exactly right so that's that's probably one of the most innovative things that people are doing at the moment mm-hmm. they're actually stripping back the things that aren't working and that's mm-hmm. hard to do that's really hard to do because mm-hmm. that's just the way things are done around here that's one of the most damaging lines you can you can utter. Um, that, and yeah, that's, that's culture too. It becomes deeply embedded, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. So what can we strip away that isn't working to make the lives of our employees easier and to streamline production? Mm. 
So say I'm a great, I'm a great employer. I've got the autonomy to make decisions in my organisation, and I've started to strip away the things. Got back to a place where we're really at uh, no excess fat in terms of too many things that are detracting from health and wellness. What do you think are some of the key things that people often start to think about that are meaningful in that next stage of building into processes? So the next stage, really, what we've got to try and do is teach people about their mental health and about how best to protect it. So one of the, one of the best initiatives we've got at the moment or that people are doing at the moment is energy management over time management. So there is enough time, like we talked about, effective work hours. It's less than three hours. <laughs> We've all got one sixty-eight of them, which is yeah. differently. <laughs> yeah. So there is enough time. There's enough time to do mm-hmm. everything that you want to do. It's about having the energy to do it. So mm-hmm. changing work processes or adapting how you work throughout the day and how you get your energy is one of the most beneficial things you can do. So. Companies are looking to how they can maximise their employees' energy is probably the best initiative that's going on at the moment Mm. Uh, because just sticking them in an office for eight to ten hours a day, five days a week, is not really cutting it at the moment. And it's so personalised too, isn't it? Because you're also how do you create autonomy for people where... For me, I went for my first lunch run the other day and I love running. I think I've said it on the podcast. I love running and I usually run in the morning, so at the (laughs) moment that's in the dark. And I went for a lunch run with a friend and the amount of energy that I brought to my afternoon yeah. and that works for me. It's obviously not going to work for everyone else, but I guess it's, yeah, how do you empower individuals to also decide what's the right thing for them and how do they maximize the use of their own energy? That's exactly it. And I love that you use that word, empowering individuals, because that's basically what we have to do because it is so individual. Every single person is different. They're going to get their energy in different ways. They're going to spend their energy or shed their energy in different ways as well so empowering them and giving them the leeway to structure their day to structure their work uh, to maximize their energy i think is incredibly important so being a lot less rigid so say i come to you and i'm like look my employees just don't care they've like you know i've tried all these things i had the um whatever it is i had mental health training i had this i had the fruit boxes i then got the yoga balls like i've got all these things i've got stand-up desks but I, I'm just, they're not engaging with it maybe because they're too time poor or there's too many mm. of those other processes. What do you think really changes the engagement? Is it in the communication of the programs? Is it, is in, is it, is, oh, sorry. Is it in people having uh, the say? Like what changes the engagement metric for employees? Yes, basically to those. <laughs> <laughs> um, how you communicate the program is critical um, and what you deliver to your employees and how you actually deliver it to them. So that's part of what the IV does. Mm. It tells us what they're going to engage with. So we don't guess. They tell us, I would like to see this. Mm. I would like to do this. This time works for me. This would prevent me from doing it, and this would make me do it. Mm. So they actually tell you, they give you everything that you need Mm. in order to build these programs. So if you really want to do a lunchtime running class, but no one cares about lunchtime running. <laughs> no one else will care about that class. Work. It'll just be yeah, me. <laughs> exactly right. If you want to introduce yoga in the mornings, but everyone hates yoga. It's you not know, yoga work. at 6 p.m. on a Friday night when I'm trying to have dinner with someone. <laughs> like <that's... laughs> yeah, exactly. So you have to, I mean, it's, it's not really rocket science, but a lot of companies aren't doing it. They're just doing what they think will work rather than 
creating what the people actually want to see. But then I guess it's that challenge of now, okay, we've just got, say we have, used to have 2,000 people working in offices and now we've got 2,000 people working from home with a small percentage of those now in an office. Yeah. Does, are the programs fundamentally different when people are working from home or is that a misconception? Fundamentally, no. Um, there are some differences, obviously, in how they're, uh, how they're delivered. Mm. But essentially, you can... I mean, we are currently delivering programs digitally. Mm. Um, once people understand the actual fundamentals of how they can structure their day and how they can be inherently healthy, it can apply to any situation. Mm. So whether they're at home or in the office, once they have that understanding and the commitment to actually doing it, it really doesn't matter. So mm. that's what we've got to we've got to teach them. We've got to teach them how to do it, not say do this and do that. Say this is how to do it, and then they can adapt it to any situation. Mm. And so, in your ideal situation, I say I'm going to give you two thousand employees. We've stripped the fat. Um, what would a great program look like? That is a very complex question. <laughs> <laughs> I like complex. But what are the things that are like benchmark? Benchmarks, you need to engage people regularly with uh, interactive information sessions. So you need to teach them exactly what we were saying before, how to be healthy and why this is so important to them. So mm-hmm. that's, that's absolutely number one. You need the information Fine. sessions. Yes. Um, the absolute gold standard of, mm. of health programs is having, having a trained person on site or available if it's, mm. if it's digital that people can go to with their health issues. So we use uh, physiologists because they have a very, very broad skill set and they're well-trained in lifestyle disease mm-hmm. uh, and health behaviours. And just having that person there gives you automatically that individualization for each person. Mm. So you've got a busted shoulder. Um, Tim wants to get fit. Um, Julie has a bad back. Whatever the case may be, we can individualise those programs. And it gives, it gives employees a lot of things, but essentially what it does is gives them a point of contact for their health that's A, not part of the company, and B, not a doctor. But also can be done within hours. So I find a consistent challenge is yeah. how do I make time for the health appointments I need? I was thinking, like, you know, I need to go to that's the chiropractor. It. I'm just going to put it out there to the world. And I haven't been in a year. Yeah. <laughs> that's a long time. That's exactly right. It's uh, because so I'm easy like, how do you find a time in Monday to Friday to do it? Whereas I guess the incentive is it's also a part of the structure yeah. and it's supported by your employer, which is a huge thing. Exactly right. Exactly. If uh, Yeah, I mean, people don't go and see the doctor. They just don't, especially mm. Australian males. Age mm. 30 to 55, they just don't go, well, we, I should say, <laughs> just don't go and see the doctor. <laughs> Maybe so if you you've, do. Yeah. <laughs> if... Um, if we've got a point of contact that is not a, that's not a doctor, that's in work time and who's Affordable. in the office next to you and it's free for employees mm-hmm. and anonymous, I mean, that is so incredibly powerful. Similar with EAPs, that being able to have someone that you can call yes. and talk to. Absolutely. It's a huge plus. So I'm going to ask you, I have two more questions. Sure. The last one is, I'm an employer with very few employees and I don't have a budget. Yeah. What's something simple that I you know where's a place to start that at least allows me to know that I'm doing something I would always start with the IV or an IV type 
program. Like, so get the data on get what the data, matters. Find out. Yeah. Because it can like there's no there's no blanket template that we can just rubber stamp and go okay this is going to work mm. or this is what you should do if you don't have money and this is what you should do if you do have money. Mm. I mean get the data. Get is what the data. I'm hearing. Hundred percent. Talk to it's your people. So incredibly important. Communicate with your people. Get open up a line of communication where they feel comfortable telling you this stuff. Mm. Uh, which yeah goes back to it being anonymous. Definitely do that, but get that data. Yeah, I think that's so great and similar with a lot of the work we do. It's like start with the data, start with the facts, and then what's actually going to be impactful will come after that. Yeah. And so, final takeaway. Let's say let's do this for the employee. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting out there and I'm going, man, I'm just too busy. Life is stressful year. What's the why to this stuff like? The why to it why you should care is your health is everything (laughs) it's the most important thing it's the only thing basically if you don't have health you don't have anything and it's so much easier from the health perspective to work at it when it's okay and not terrible absolutely there's uh, yeah it's like it's like you're walking on a a rocky mountain path i like doing that yeah Yeah. it's pretty fun isn't it (laughs) But you ideally want to stay on the path. The further you go down the hill, the harder it is to get back up onto that path. Yeah. So if you stay, I mean, health health is easy to maintain. It's very difficult to recapture. Certainly not impossible, mm. but very, very difficult. And the more unhealthy you allow yourself to get, the harder it is to get back. To get back. So it's, yeah, I mean, looking after your health is really the only thing mm. that there is. So that's, that's the why. It's it's interesting actually. I did a um, did a poll the other day. What would you rather have unlimited wealth and below average health or unlimited health and below average wealth? Oh my god, unlimited health. One hundred percent of people <laughs> they responded unlimited health. One hundred percent of people. But if you were to ask them how much time they're spending on their health versus how much time they're spending at work. Yeah. yeah. I think you'd get very, very skewed results. That's, I think people would say unlimited health because they think that's what they should say, mm. but their actions are not reflecting that. Mm. So the why is that it's your health, it's the only thing you have. Mm. So it just it has to get done, basically. I imagine every small step counts too. Every Absolutely. little thing in the right direction is a good... Yeah. Yep. When it comes to health, anything is better than nothing. Mm. When we're... Mm. Yeah, often when we're starting up uh, let's say an exercise program someone wants to start running get out for a half an hour run every day if you don't have half an hour do 20 minutes if you don't have 20 minutes do 10 if you don't have 10 minutes do one Mm. one minute of running is better is 100 times better than no minutes of running and every day is the opportunity to start a new habit right exactly exactly Mm. right yeah anything is better than nothing (laughs) well thank you so much for coming in Phil it's been it's been my pleasure thank you for having me (laughs) so nice um I hope I didn't go too much on a tangent at the end there. I get very passionate about this sort of stuff. That's what we love. We love passion about this stuff. Um, So it's probably a good place to leave it today. Mm -hmm. I think there are so many insights from all the areas you're saying. Where can people find out more about what you do if they want to know more, if they want to just dive deep into some of your online classes? I know I've been getting into the weekly videos. Where's the best place to go? Connectshealth.com.au. That's got all the information. Um, it's actually, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the online course. I've completely forgot about that. Um, <laughs> how everything that we've talked about, the, the IV, the planning process, all mm-hmm. of that, 
we've actually created an online course that teaches people exactly how to do that. So awesome. the IV, it's it's a how-to guide. It's a do-it-yourself guide for the IV. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it takes takes about four or five hours to do. And I think, I mean, I'm pretty biased, but I think all HR managers and business leaders should do it. They should have an understanding of this, this process. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that would be a brilliant place to start doing that course. Uh, and then, I mean... Yeah, get us into to do whatever you can't do yourself, basically. Uh, but so much of it you can actually do yourself. So we wanted to teach people that. And we, we sort of deliberated whether we should because it's our IP. It's 10 years of, um, of work. It's over 25,000 individual consults all condensed in this course. But we thought people can use it. It can actually help people. Let's democratise that information. We're all here to make a good impact on yeah. the planet and on people and to make workplaces exactly that right. work for more of us. That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, yeah, connectshealth.com.au has got all our info. You can get in touch with us through that. It's got all our online courses. Check it out. Thanks so much for tuning in. This is probably the right place to leave it for today. Here at Moi, we're passionate about making the people and culture space practical and accessible for everyone. So if you're interested in learning more about us as well, you can head online onto our website Um, And as always, check out the podcast. We're on here every two weeks. And you can also sign up for our EDM, which is every two weeks. So it's a big moi from the moi team and I. And to stay in touch, you can jump on our newsletter uh, or better still join our community of subscribers. So you can contact us on teammoi.live or visit our website at www.moi.live. And thanks again, Phil, for coming in and we'll be in touch. Cool. Thanks for having me.